0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelei Weissel and welcome to the first Tango episode of the show. Uh, it's only Chris and I this week and after all, if you remember from Battle for Zendikar, it takes two to Tango.
1: Oh god. Um, and this is Chris Delano and Nick Prince keeps telling me I'm a 2-2 two, two for two. I don't really know what that means.
0: It means you're a glory seeker. Oh, Okay. It's it's because you, you're you're always looking for fame and fortune.
1: That is exact that's the only reason why I'm on a podcast, because we all know the real way to get famous and rich is to make a podcast.
0: Uh yeah. That's not true. Um I hey, at least at least you didn't bring back a six-year-old joke. uh, <laughs> uh yeah, so it is just Chris and I this week, cause Jay and Brian are freeloaders who have other things to do tonight so they are not here so we are bringing you all a very special episode and it's not i guess that special but it's something we've never done before and if it's something that y'all like then we'll probably do more of them it could be a cool recurring feature maybe uh we we're going to talk about building commander decks with flavor uh with a specific example around croxa from the new theros beyond death set you might have heard of theros beyond death because you're Magic players. <laughs> the the big news, obviously, is that uh, this coronavirus is a thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's a big thing. It's affecting a lot of stuff.
0: So, I I know y'all are Vorthoses, but a lot of you also do play Magic. And um, if you were planning on going to any events, um, either Star City Games events here in the States, or a Magic Fest event somewhere else in the world, uh, a lot of those are being canceled. A lot of events are being moved around. So, yeah. Um, Follow Star City Games, Channel Fireball, Wizard of the Coast on Twitter for updates on those. That's just kind of a community update of things that are happening. Lots of stuff is shifting. If you are sick, don't go to FNM, please. If you think you are sick, don't go to FNM. Stay home and play Arena, hashtag Watsi Contractor.
1: Yeah, if you also like are kind of nervous and scared, um, you know, that's fine. And we all have anxieties, and you should not feel bad for feeling that way. If you are scared to go to FNM and you still don't feel bad, um, throw your LGS a bone and like buy some singles online and or some sealed product and take some time to work on that commander deck you've been trying to put together for three or four years. Um, but help out your LGS. They're probably hurting.
0: That was a call-out for me.
1: Oh, it's a call-out for me, too. I've got... um a bunch of blue and white cards put aside in my box that I've just been adding a card to pretty much every like two months for the past three years one day I will build a blue white commander deck again uh same um I think we have a listener question do we want to do we want to just go ahead and take that we do have a listener
0: question uh one new one came off from tumblr from at berg dg or berg I don't know how that (laughs) should be pronounced uh, I liked the second way better. So the question is, uh, you know what novel from Otaria is great? The Prodigal Sorcerer. Would you consider discussing that book? I still have the copy I got twenty plus years ago. So Brigid is being a smart ass here <laughs> because the Prodigal Sorcerer was published by Harper Prism in 1995. Uh, Otaria didn't become an official part of canon until the Odyssey block. That's after the year 2000. Before I actually answer the question, which I will do, I want to get to the, the smart ass part of, of this being Otaria. So, a big part of the Prodigal Sorcerer novel uh, revolves around a um, kind of a, a magical college type place called the Institute of Arcane Study. And uh, this is in an area called the Valley of. Um, Tom gazan I think I'm saying that right. It doesn't matter. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a location that existed on Dominaria the, the whole time. Uh, and, and this was something specifically that Ethan Fleischer had talked about when he was working out the Dominaria map for the Dominaria set. Um, there were lots of talks about locations... Um, that don't really have specific locations on Dominaria. Like, we know this is a place that exists, but we don't know where on the planet it exists. And uh, one of the problems with Dominaria is um, the original globe that Pete Venters put together has this continent on it that was never used for anything. And uh, when Odyssey came around, uh, they made that continent Otaria. And... um, I don't remember which of the Odyssey block novels had a map in it. Might have been the first one. It might have been Chainer's Torment. Might have been Onsalt Block. I think it was Odyssey Block. Doesn't matter. The map is terrible. I call it the Chicken Nugget map because it's just like a blobby chicken nugget. It's a terrible map. I hate it.
1: But it's really good with honey mustard.
0: Um, No, honey mustard is gross. But if you just use regular honey and ketchup, that is really good. Um, also barbecue sauce, like a good sweet barbecue sauce is.
1: I think we can come to an agreement on barbecue sauce. Yeah, I
0: love, I love, I love good. Sweet. I
1: might have to fight you over honey mustard, but we can save that for later.
0: I just don't like mustard. Uh, honey barbecue sauce though. Are we can, can we agree on honey barbecue sauce?
1: I can agree on a barbecue sauce that is sweeter.
0: Yes. Okay. That, that is fine. Anyway. The Chicken Nugget map doesn't really look like Otaria. It has the same basic shape but it doesn't actually look like the thin, jagged Otaria that looks like an actual continent that appears on the actual Dominaria globe and thus map. When Ethan was looking at a lot of the locations on Otaria and, and grafting them onto uh, Pete Venner's globe, Otaria and, and Odyssey only use a section of that continent. There's this upper section with a with a I don't know if it's necessarily as narrow as an isthmus, but but it's a it's it's this other northern chunk. What Ethan figured out through some context clues and made some judgment calls is that uh, you know this valley of Tamagazan could very easily be on this northern part of Otaria. Retroactively, technically, this is a retcon. But in in the sense that this is taking a piece of data that was kind of floating around uh, on its own and putting it somewhere specific, um, so so this whole this whole stuff that happens in the Prodigal Sorcerer novel from uh, what is that now twenty five years ago um, actually happens in Otaria, so that is where our good Tumblr Tumblr friend Bergdijt is being a smartass because uh, technically. It's an Otterian novel because we always rag on Odyssey and onslaught block novels because they are bad. They are some of the poorest regarded in magic history.
1: Anyway, well, can you can you talk about the Prodigal Sorcerer? Because the only thing I know about it is you can tap it to deal one damage to any target. That
0: is a card, not a book. Uh, I I I personally have not read the Prodigal Sorcerer the the novel. Uh, I it sounds like you haven't either.
1: Oh, definitely not.
0: I don't know if Brian or Jay have. Um, so. I think that would largely determine whether or not we could do an episode about it. Um, I'm probably not going to read it just for an episode. Uh, I've tried that with a Harper Prism novel. I, I tr- tried really, really hard to get through *And Peace Shall Sleep*, but boy, is that novel something. And it's d- d- dense and slow, uh, is what it is. Um, you know, it's a hard read when it's about Sarpedia, and I cannot get through it.
1: I think we can say, even if Jay hasn't read The Prodigal Sorcerer, Jay has so much time right now, because he's definitely not super busy with anything going on in the world. He probably could just read it real quick.
0: Jay works in emergency management, for those who do not know. Uh,
1: he's very busy. <laughs> There's a lot going on right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Prodigal Sorcerer, maybe. Um, I, I would love to do, like, so, I've read some of the old Harper Prism stuff, um, I I do really want to read tapestries. Uh, their first anthology, uh, the the second one, Distant Plains, is filled with some of my favorite Magic stories. Um, I love Distant Plains. Uh, I would love to do episodes on on those at some point. I don't know when. I don't. I don't. I don't know. There's lots of old lore I would love to cover. I'd love would, I would love to do old in depth stuff on um, the Armada comics. Uh, I love those.
1: Maybe they would make a really good pull from the deep.
0: Oh, no, I have way too much to say about any of these things. Oh. <laughs> um, and we need, like, episode ideas. So, um, yeah, that's a thing. Like, if we ever go back to Dominaria soon, um, that's definitely a moment, because all the, the really old fiction happens on Dominaria, because it's the only plane that mattered. Oh, our game exists in a multiverse, but we're only going to be on this one world. Um, that's not true. They go to hell in distant <laughs> planes in two different stories. <laughs> Because there's at least one plane in the multiverse named Hell. We don't know if that's the actual name for the plane or just a colloquial name that people with dominaria
1: use. That's where the uh, the Easter Bunny is, right? From uh that that one art from the Ebon Prater.
0: No, that's on Sarpedia.
1: Oh, so the Easter Bunny is on Sarpedia. That explains why everything goes so bad there.
0: It's mostly because of Urza, and uh, the Ice Age, uh, and also it's not the Easter Bunny. It's a Puka sure <laughs> um it really is though but fantasy art has changed a lot anyway so that that's that's our stance on prodigal sorcerer right now but uh to our main feature for the episode the the building with flavor cruxa so uh chris tell us about this deck because this is like your thing
1: this is i got an idea um and this is really jay's idea but i've sort of uh gone with it Jay wrote some articles on a uh, major website, Cool Stuff, Inc., about building with flavor and sort of building a commander deck around these established lore characters. And we all know that Jay has this weather um, Weatherlight deck. He's very much into the Weatherlight characters, and there is so much about the Weatherlight characters. There's so much lore and story and novels. Um, so I thought, how do you build with flavor, build a commander deck around a character when you don't really know anything about the character or there's not a lot of cards backing that character up yeah and i saw that as a great opportunity with kroxa from theros beyond death because kroxa is featured in uh two cards and sort of kind of in another card that's not in kroxa's colors and we don't have a story so we really don't know a lot about kroxa
0: so i i've also written on this topic uh on my tumblr blog years ago i probably wrote about this like four years ago Maybe five years ago. I don't know. It's been a while. And and it is, you know, I have... I'm, I think I'm closing in on 30 decks again. I've kind of been hovering around 30 for a while. Um, I have I have a lot of decks built flavorfully this way. Uh, some of them, like Archangel Avacyn, uh, which is all focused on the Corrupted Church, have a ton of cards that can go in that deck. Because we've got two whole sets with them. And then even some cards from the original Innistrad block are still feasibly representative of a corrupted church of Avison. And so uh situations like that where you have lots of cards is a lot easier. And and I really like this Crook's idea because, you know, if you want to build something flavorful, you have almost nothing. So how do you fill in like that? And these are still techniques that are like still good for the like the Avison deck has some cards from outside those blocks because of some of the processes and and ideas and techniques we're going to talk about today.
1: Yeah, Um, I sort of also pulled from building around flavor. Another deck that I built is my Nicol Bolas deck. And for a long time there, the rule was I had to justify every single card in the deck and lore. And that's really not that hard with Nicol Bolas. He has 25 years of cards, essentially, to build off of. He's in a lot of art. He's in a lot of cards. It's very easy to go, hey, this card has Nicol Bolas flavor text. So Kroxa only has two cards in the set that Kroxa is featured in, and that's Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger, and Eat to Extinction. And then once you get past that, the only other card in the set that features an image of Croxa, I believe, is Binding of the Titans, yep. which is a green card, which you can't include in a Croxa Commander deck. So what I really wanted to focus on with building a Croxa deck was along the lines of what sort of story does Croxa tell? And so if you listen back a few episodes ago, we did a wonderful interview with um, James Wyatt, who was the creative lead of the set. And we actually talked a little bit about the Titans and how they are manifestations of sort of like primal fears and primal worries, I guess, in a lot of ways. And Croxa was sort of this fear of hunger. And so I thought, how do you build around this Titan who is all based around hunger and consumption and eating and so that's kind of where my my launching point was, was building a deck that made you feel like Kroxa. So yeah, some of the major themes I looked at were thinking of hunger and consumption and how would you express that in magic, uh, what kind of things Kroxa does. So sacrificing things, eating things, as we often call it in magic, we eat a creature. Uh, there's actually a mechanic around that. And there's a few cards I picked around with that mechanic and then I sort of built from there and I said, well, what other sort of relations are there in magic that can fit with this theme of hunger? And immediately I went to, of course, our big friend Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger, and sort of thought, how could I throw a little bit of Ulamog into Kroaks' story as well? So yeah, that was sort of like my first beginning, what I'm going to do. And then I used our wonderful tool called Scryfall to start building cards
0: we love you, Scryfall.
1: Yeah, I couldn't have done any of this without Scryfall. And Scryfall is basically where I start with these sorts of projects. Is I went on Scryfall and I basically just searched up any card that had hunger, consumption, consume, um, any sort of like word related to eating in the name, in the flavor text, in any way that I could think of. Um, and I went and found as many of those cards as I could. And then started looking at them and thinking, all right, how would this play with croxa
0: Right. So uh, this is a technique I use a lot, especially doing these kinds of things. Having a clear feel and an idea and a theme. So so this is kind of little lit analysis If If you're talking about a deck as text and, and a game as text, um, as as narrative, Um Having a theme gives you kind of some words to branch off to. So uh, kind of with the Avison deck, some of the cards I included were built off of those church themes um, that still mechanically were re- relevant to the deck. So like Evangelize from Time Spiral is a perfect card for the Avison deck. Um, not only is it a religious themed card, it is very much about joining the church. It is a you know you gain control of a thing the church through Emercle reaches out corrupts your mind brings you over and gets to twist that idea and work it into the deck uh so uh use, using words like that is, is really great the sources you know my advice as a writer is the sources are easily the most important tool that I use as a writer. And, uh, you know, if, if you were doing one of these kinds of decks, absolutely open one up. Thesaurus.com is just honestly one of the best. Uh, I do also like RhymeZone.com. They have a search feature where you can find related words. So that will throw a whole bunch of words at you that get, that aren't just synonyms for things, but are kind of related and, and lets you branch off farther from that.
1: Yeah, and the, the cool thing is about magic design and magic uh, lore and flavor design is that when people are writing card names and flavor texts, you'll find that they use certain words because they mechanically relate to the card as well.
0: Oh, I wouldn't know anything about
1: that. <laughs> um, so, for example, uh, one of the cards I thought of immediately was Carrion Feeder, and Carrion Feeder was one of those initial, like, real easy-to-include cards because Feeder is in the name. And Croak says all about hunger. And uh, it has a wonderful flavor text in Modern Horizons. It has no respect for the deeds of martyrs, reducing their legacy to a mouthful of flesh.
0: I agree. That is wonderful flavor text.
1: Um, if that doesn't feel like a titan of hunger, and Lorelei might be a little... Uh, biased there, but I agree with I, it.
0: I worked on Modern Horizons. The text in that whole set was wonderful. We did, the whole team did so good.
1: It really gives you that feeling of consumption. And then it also has the ability to sacrifice a creature to put a plus one plus one counter on it. And you'll find that when you search for something like consumption or mouthful or feeding, you find a lot of cards that revolve around sacrifice. And interestingly enough, if you are actually playing the game with Kroxa, Kroxa's is well known for having that ETB effect, where when it enters the battlefield or attacks, each opponent discards a card, then each opponent who doesn't discard a card, non-land card, this way, loses three life. That is sort of like where it gets its focus in a lot of competitive magic. It's why it's seeing play in Modern and Pioneer, and I think a little bit in Standard, is that ability. But one of the big things is it sacrifices itself unless it escapes. And so what I sort of did is I looked and noticed all these sacrificing synergies, and I thought, Oh, well, what if I played cards that allowed me to sacrifice Kroxa before it sacrificed itself to get value? And so that's why I was like, oh, well, Carrion Feeder is not just a perfect flavor fit. It's a perfect mechanical fit. And then if you start going through and looking at other cards with that sort of language in them, uh, Mero Nawer, for example, sacrifices rats. Uh, Ghoul Caller Gisa, who is another card that sacrifices things to create tokens, which is another minor theme there's just a lot of little sacrifice effects that you can find that sort of fit into that theme as well.
0: Yeah, one one of the cards you included on here is is the the recent card from Eldrain, Witch's Oven. Yes. Which is perfect for an eating theme. You can you can cook up a little a little Titan flesh, little Titan burgers.
1: Yeah, Witch's Oven has a really great uh feeding feel to it. You are literally going to cook some of your creatures. I guess sort of just to go through some of these cards that really felt like hunger cards in the list uh carrion feeder was the very first one blood crazed paladin is sort of a card from uh the ixalan block ixalan where the ideas behind this paladin who is uh hungry for blood i found this card off of searching for hunger
0: uh the blood crazed paladin flavor text is pretty clear here when a paladin undertaking the blood fast finally gives in to hunger the violence is sudden explosive and complete
1: I also grabbed Flesh Carver, which has the wonderful, wonderful flavor text of just a taste.
0: You know, I never caught on to this before because it's supposed to be like kind of a cannibal thing. It's Flesh Carver like the violent act of carving something up, but like also Flesh Carver like carving a turkey. Yes, That's cute.
1: Um, in this case, it also has the ability to, one in a black, sacrifice another creature, put two plus one plus one counters on it which fits very well with sacrificing Kroxa or sacrificing some of the other tokens. There's also uh, Gutless Ghoul, which I like a lot, um, which has flavor text from Garza Garzazol, Plague Queen. Uh, Make sure those wretches feed only upon the plagued. The blood of the healthy is reserved for me alone.
0: Garza Zol was a vampire.
1: Uh, Gutless Ghoul is has an ability for sacrificing a creature. And so you go through and you find a lot of these cards that feature the word hunger also include sacrifice effects. One card I also included that doesn't though, but I still f- built around is a card called Bloodright Invoker. It's the from the Invoker cycle from Zendikar. It's two and a black and has eight mana target player loses 3 life and you gain 3 life. And that's that's the card. It's a 3-1 for 3, but it has some really interesting flavor text that I thought fit Kroxa really well. So I'm like, I want this card in the deck, even though it's not the best card in the world. It just feels kroxa
0: The brood lineages unfolded across the world, each patterned after one of three progenitors, each a study in mindless consumption. That is a quote from The Invoker's Tales, which is a nice little collection of flavor text uh, in... I believe there's five of them in Rise of the Eldrazi, and there are two more in, I want to say, Battle for Zendikar. They might have been Oath, but in the new block.
1: It did sort of set me on the line of, wow, I want to include some draining effects, because we often think of draining as sort of consuming, uh, as from one of the original cards, Drain Life, that yeah. did that.
0: It's a, a common mechanic that's used with uh, vampiric flavor. Yes, I will say though, uh, when it comes to eating and and consumption as a mechanical theme and sacrifice, um, I'm very surprised to see no devour cards on here from from Jund.
1: There are several devour cards on my list, actually. Where? Well, there's one of my very favorite ones, which is also from Modern Horizons. Do you do you do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh
0: yes, Feaster of Fools.
1: Exactly, Feaster of Fools is such a perfect fit for this deck.
0: It is my, maybe my favorite complete card in terms of name mechanics uh, and flavor and, and all that stuff. It is damn near a perfect magic card. Uh, but I don't see any of the older... Mostly, I, I, I'm i just salty that uh, Caldera Hellion isn't here because it has my favorite piece of magic art.
1: There there are a few cards that I had on the list originally that had Devour. I thought, so Devour is a really good mechanic uh-huh. for something like Kroxa. Because Croxa is, you know, hungry and it eats a lot. The issue with Devour is that you kind of have a lot of the Devour cards have a very ineffective play to them in a way where sometimes you cast the card, you sacrifice a bunch of creatures, you get a really big creature, and then it's over. Some of them do a little bit more. But overall, I found a lot of the cards in black and red just to be a little disappointing. And so I cut most of them down until I had Feaster of Fools. And I thought, well, I can't cut Feaster of Fools because this is just such a perfect flavor. Valid. I had the one that was a uh, black card with Devour that made your opponent discard cards.
0: Tarfiend.
1: And then I also had a red dragon with Devour. And I think that's all it had. And it wasn't doing a lot. But I do have a token theme in the deck as well.
0: Yeah, that, that's why I was curious.
1: Well, the token theme comes in because there are a lot of sacrificing creature effects, because that is sort of an important part of the idea of Kroxa. First of all, you want to be able to sacrifice Kroxa, but also sacrificing creatures feels like consuming them. Uh, I added Indrik Sar, Master Breeder, to the list, for example. Not because Indrik Sar is, you know, eating the thralls, even though that was originally part of the plan. Or is that the, the sapperlings that they were eating?
0: That was eating? the thalids. Uh the So thalids. The, the thralls were just so basically just like a slave race. Although, uh, the magical tech used to make Thralls was also used to make the Thalads, uh, which is probably a good flavor reason why Thalads are now in, uh, green and black on Dominaria.
1: But most importantly, Sar makes tokens, and there's quite a few token makers in the set. Uh, of course you have Sar. you've got, uh, Grave Titan, because Grave Titan is, kind of looks like, a croaks a child of some kind with all the weird body proportions and things coming out of them.
0: You know, we, we got a Sun Titan reprint in a dual decks with a Theros flavor. I would love to see the other four Titans reprinted with new art set on Theros. That would be really sweet.
1: Grave Titan is a really good token maker and also feeds your your need for uh, sacrificing things every turn if you can keep attacking with them. I also have uh, Breeding Pit, which is another thrill themed card that I feel like gets not enough attention in EDH. If you ever get a chance to play the card Breeding Pit, you should. Breeding Pit is a enchantment for three and a black, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you have to sacrifice it unless you pay black black. Uh, but at the beginning of your instep, you put a zero one black th- throll creature token into the battlefield. So if you just keep playing black black every upkeep, you just keep making thralls every turn. So it's a great way to just build up tokens for sacrificing effects. And then a really fun card that you kind of disagreed with me on for token making is Infernal Genesis, which has only been printed one time in Prophecy, which, as we all know, is one of the least mined sets in magic history. I feel like no one talks about this set anymore.
0: It's because it sucks. It sucked then and it sucks now.
1: Oh, I wasn't going to say that, but... <laughs> well, <laughs> um... I am.
0: It's bad. Uh, but this card is
1: Sweet. This card fits a lot of the feelings of the deck in terms of mechanical play. And that's one thing about building with flavor is that you do have to make a deck that is cohesive. It needs to be able to play out its its turns. It needs to do what you want it to do. And Infernal Genesis is an enchantment. So that's kind of on theme for Theros from Prophecy. It's four black black. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player puts the top card of his or her library into his or her graveyard. He or she... I wish they would have switched to they a long time ago. He or she then puts x 11 black minion creature tokens into play, where X is that card's converted mana cost. So essentially what you do is you're feeding your graveyard, which is important for escaping Kroxa, if you so want to do that. Um, you are putting cards into your graveyard and you're making tokens, which play with a lot of the sacrifice effects, like the devour creatures, uh, and then also importantly help you a lot with your mana production because we are playing both Phyrexian Altar and Ashnod's Altar in this deck. They fit the sacrifice theme and red and black is not known for its ramp necessarily. And those two cards can help you play some of the bigger spells like Ulamog or Spawn Sire of Ulamog, which are both, I think, really hungry cards.
0: Hungry. I, I will say, um, it, I don't know how to preface this next statement. Flavor is wobbly. And different people will have different ideas about what matters for their deck and where lines are drawn. Uh, Because I can say that if I was building this deck, I would not include Infernal Genesis. Genesis is not a word I would want in a deck about consumption and degradation and entropy. You know, uh, I have the same attitude about Endric Saar. Master Breeder is not, you know, that connotes uh, too much about creation. Um, instead of Destruction. I think I would focus more on Destruction. You know, that, that's my personal take. That doesn't have to be yours. But that, that is an interesting flex point that you encounter in a lot of these decks where what is the boundary of your flavor? What is the boundary of your mechanical interactions? How do you balance those? Uh, where do you draw those lines? Where do you compromise flavor to make the deck playable? And so the, those, those are kinds of things you're constantly having to think about when you build decks like this, uh, which is really enjoyable for me. It's like it's like you have a big puzzle with like 100 pieces and you're not only do you have to figure out how all those pieces go together, but you have to figure out which pieces actually aren't part of this puzzle, even if they look like it superficially. Uh, and, and, and that whole challenge of figuring out and honing a deck list is delightful. So it's probably why I've done a lot of commander decks like this.
1: Yeah, I can look at a card like Endric Sar, And my thought is about how you make all these thralls. And then once you reach seven, you have to sacrifice Endric Sar, as if the thralls have overthrown him. And I think of that as, well, the thralls are eating. It's valid. But yeah, there, there is a lot of token making in this deck because I do want to sacrifice tokens and also having a lot of tokens to eat for your effects and makes them feel more consumptive. So for example, uh, there's, a, there's a wonderful card in this list that I had found while doing my sort of inspection for cards. And part of it also, like I started with the searching for certain words and then I started searching for certain themes and then I started looking for cards that would help me make a more congruent deck and one of them I found I think you will enjoy is a slug called thermopod from cold snap Uh uh-huh um and thermopod uh doesn't have anything about hunger or eating in its name or flavor text or even art it's just a giant slug but what it does have is this wonderful ability of sacrifice a creature add red to your mana pool and so if you are pumping out tokens with Indric sar if you're making all these tokens And these thrall tokens with your breeding pit, you're making all of these Eldrazi scion and you're like, wow, I need red mana for something. Well, you can turn them into red mana because like Kroxa, you can just eat continuously everything all the time.
0: You, You say it has nothing to do with hunger, but its flavor text reads, slicking the ice with its heated underside, the thermopod skates at great speed to overtake its prey. I mean, it's literally talking about it being a predator.
1: Well, yeah, you're assuming it's eating them and not just kind of tossing them around for fun.
0: It's not a primal play kink thing. It's literally predation.
1: Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I you know, I'm not here to to kink Not shame
0: not to ki- not to Yeah.
1: Uh, this, this is this, what happens this, this when is, Jay and Brian leave us.
0: No, this happens when they're here. I'm sorry. Um Uh I'm not actually sorry. Uh but it is you know, we should make it clear uh officially this is not a podcast where we kink shame slugs um i I just want to make that clear
1: oh god we're gonna get in trouble all right i will um... (laughs) not get
0: in trouble who are we getting in trouble with it's our show we do whatever we want
1: Uh, another card i wanted to include real quick on the token theme is mog infestation which is just another fun card from uh tempest block back in the day and it was printed in stronghold And it has a sorcery. It's three red red. Destroy all creatures target player controls. For each creature that died this way, put two 1-1 red goblin creature tokens onto the battlefield under that player's control. So you can Mog Infestation yourself and turn all of your little 1-1 minion tokens and thrall tokens and all of that into goblins instead, twice as many. And then you can sacrifice all of them to your Phyrexian altar to cast a giant fall of the titans, which is another card I included. Because once I noticed I was including all these tokens and sacrifice effects to make mana, I was like, why not throw in a giant fall of the titans and just kill two players at one time?
0: I like that the word titan is in there. That's very cute. Yes.
1: I don't want to talk too much longer because we we are going to want to wrap up here soon. But I do want to mention the rat theme that I also threw in here.
0: I don't get the rat theme, but it's your deck.
1: Rats eat stuff. That's the thing. That's what all, they do. all
0: animals eat stuff. The mites that live in your hair follicles on your face eat stuff.
1: Yeah. And I'm feeding them very well right now.
0: You are because your body passively produces sebum, which is an oily substance that keeps your skin moist. And then the mites eat it.
1: You learn something new every day.
0: And then they don't poop. The book Everyone Poops is a lie. Those mites don't poop. They die with all the fecal matter inside them.
1: But we do not kick
0: them for it.
1: <laughs> I also want to remind everyone, don't touch your face. <laughs> That's how you get viruses. Yeah, so wash your hands. So thinking about these things in your face, just don't think too hard about them crawling all over your how, face.
0: How many phobias did we just get?
1: <laughs> <laughs> A lot. <laughs> Anyways, I did include the minor rat theme because rats are all about token making and they're also great sacrifice fodder. And uh, there's one rat in particular, Rotting Rats. Uh, that I wanted to include. It was originally printed in Conflux. It's one in a black for a 1-1. When it enters the battlefield, each player discards a card, and it has Unearth, which feels really, really on theme.
0: Yeah, it's parallel to Escape. Um, It's the same kind of idea of a creature that you can cast out of your graveyard. The one thing I will say that's cute about the rat theme is uh, you have Maronar in the list, and the, um, the Year of the Rat secret lair that just came out has Maronar uh at a dinner with the rest of his family so that's perfect for the hunger theme
1: yep that was actually the list specified that art at one point but it might have changed because it's cute and it fits all the themes of sacrificing things and making tokens but yeah did you have any cards you saw from the list that you wanted to to bring up other than marinar
0: you didn't mention this slam dunk card uh, it's a card that I didn't know existed because I believe it's only from the Brawl decks from Eldraine, but Taste oh, of
1: Death. I love that card.
0: It's a four black black for a sorcery. Each player sacrifices three creatures. You create three food tokens.
1: Yeah, I that was one of the first cards I added to the list, actually. That was one of my very initial ads.
0: There, there are three apples on a table carved into skulls. That is delightful. Who did that? Chris Rollis. Chris, you rock. And whoever the art director was for those brawl decks, you rock. I I think Cynthia led for Eldrain. I don't remember. It might have been Cynthia Shepard. Yeah, that, that card is just everything that this deck is about, flavorfully, mechanically. Um, what I like, once, once you do have a mechanical identity for a flavor deck like this, uh, searching through Scryfall to uh, find more cards with that mechanic can sometimes turn up cards that have words or flavor that relates to your theme that you didn't search before because you can't always get all the corner cases so like i think like essence feed is probably one i not or would not have found necessarily or right of consumption those are like consumption might not have been a word that i landed on off the top of my head <laughs> i do love consume the meek in here also yeah hunger, <laughs> i love that card <laughs>
1: Uh, consuming vapors. I'm a big fan of Vona, so Vona's hunger I felt was perfect. There's a lot of little little things like that in here, and we will we will share this list when we share the episode. Uh, I'm going to make sure that it is actually a full commander list and has everything in it. Um, I know Talisman of Indulgence was a very early ad into here, even though it doesn't really like artifact ramp doesn't really fit, but <sighs> Indulgence fits.
0: So yeah, I I would. This is a flavor instance where I would, in, at least in, it makes sense in my head to to link indulgence and gluttony you know you know red red and black are the gluttonous colors when when they work together they they want they are going to follow their uh impulsive desires and they're going to do so to excess because they want everything uh black is very bad at setting limits for itself uh, a lot uh, and so is red so so indulging in the overconsumption is like exactly what Crocs is about like his literally, his eye sockets and nostrils are mouths. His stomach is a mouth. His heels are mouths. It's gross. There's teeth everywhere. If that doesn't say indulgence, I don't know what does.
1: Yeah, the The thing is, is to make a coherent commander deck, I'm going to probably have to include some, you know, artifact ramp spells that don't necessarily have anything to do with Kroxa, uh, or mechanically. So like cards like Arcane Signet, uh, cards that, you kind of just need because you need to be able to make mana.
0: Yeah, sometimes you just have to play a deck. I mean, I mean that's obviously a personal call. You don't actually have to do that. Um, I tend to prefer it, but I also consider myself very clever, uh, and, and find a lot of ways around that. So, like uh, for example, the Avison deck. Is the Corrupted Church of Avicen and the Emerical Influence. So, Hedron-related mana rocks are in there. There's Corrupted Grafstone. There is the Cryptolith Fragment. Um, that, that has a handful of mana rocks that make sense for the deck. They're either related to the church or related to the Eldrazi. Uh, I have a Villains deck. Where um, you know uh, Demir Signet, making sure to use the one from the original set, where Zadek was the main villain of the set. Uh, Silumgar Monument is the monuments for the Dragons of Tarkir mana rocks. Uh,
1: I think they were the I mo- think so. they were the monuments. Yeah,
0: I have. Uh, so there was a printing of Fellwar Stone in the Commander product that has a flavor text quote from Mersil, uh that I used in that deck. That is kind of. I think that ended up being the only card that references Mersil in the deck. Which is fine, because he's, like, a minor villain. Stuff like- so stuff like that works for that deck. Um, but, like, I'm currently working on a Saskia Sword Lesbians deck. (laughs) That doesn't have any mana rocks in it. Uh, they're not swords, nor are they lesbians. There are a couple lesbians that are mana dorks, so Selvala and um, Radha. And there are some ramp spells. I think I managed to include, like, there was a three mana instant from I think Battle for Zendikar, uh, that has Nyssa on it. And there is uh, the Tempest printing of Harrow has, like, a woman farming on there. So, like, farm lesbians are valid. So, like, finding ways to make that stuff work is part of the theme but yeah that that deck has like almost no removal almost no ramp and it's a four color deck i don't know how like i i'm not buying any lands for that deck i'm just gonna build it out of whatever i have and then otherwise it's mostly just like literally all the creatures are legends there's like 36 or 37 of them they're just a bunch of lesbians there's a bunch of sword equipments there's uh every single spell has some kind of lesbian imagery on it uh there's a small... I think there's, like, three Planeswalkers left in the list. Um, But, yeah. It, like... You just take a theme and run with it. And, like, I like theme decks because they tend to be a little lower-powered. I I think I like my Commander at more of a mid-power level. Like, high-powered Commander can be fun, and I have decks for that. My Electra deck is doing the combo thing with Kiki-Jiki, Master of Cruelties. Uh, Those are the two main things in there. You may laugh, but my COD, Elinchi, Sanvoy deck is pretty powerful, mostly because there's a small chunk of Hamorids in it, and then the rest of it is, like, some of the most powerful blue control cards in the format. But, you know, some of my flavor decks are uh, perfect in that middle range. The Afficent deck, uh, so uh, my Blue Black Villains deck is for uh, Rona, Disciple of Gix. C- cool stuff
1: like that. My Nicol Bolas deck was definitely the most powerful commander deck that I had for a long time, and it was on theme. But that's because Nicol Bolas is, you know, powerful. So it would make sense.
0: He's omnipotent, yeah.
1: You play cards like expropriate and omniscience because they actually fit Nicol Bolas, and not necessarily because they're just super powerful cards in EDH.
0: Uh, you should not play expropriate. That card's stupid and not fun. That is literally not fun for anybody and doesn't necessarily win a game.
1: I have so much fun when I cast that spell. I don't know what you're talking about. Because you're a terrible person. This is true.
0: I I am pro I am pro psych rift anti-expropriate i would not miss expropriate in the format
1: i definitely play both of them
0: if you're gonna pay that much mana just play insurrection and kill everybody
1: uh that also might be in there but that's a different story
0: <laughs> but yeah so yeah uh like chris said we're gonna throw this list up um that's kind of kind of the basics uh using an example of how you work through words and themes and um kind of when i build commander decks i put A lot more than the sixty-three-ish spells that will go into a deck on a list. Um, See what my options are. See what mechanical themes I find. Pare down from there, and then I go back through mechanic through mechanical searches. See if there's any flavorful things I missed. Um, So that's kind of my basic process. So, so this is this is kind of a way. um, Finding finding what your themes are. Finding what emotions you want. Finding finding words. Finding art concepts. One, one of the famous deck ideas that you may have heard about at some point is ladies looking left. <laughs> I don't know who put the original deck together, but I've seen multiple people pick up that idea and where, where every single spell in the deck is a picture of a woman looking left. And like, if that's what you want your like flavor theme to be, go for it. I love, love, love weird stuff. And yeah, it's the same kind of process, and uh, you, you get lots of unique cards that you wouldn't play otherwise this way, which is another reason why it's one of my favorite ways to build commander decks. But I think that's going to do it for this episode.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. Do we have any final thoughts we want to share?
0: Oh, we sure do. I don't know what mine is. Oh, yeah, I do. It's Animal Crossing, which comes out this week. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. I just want to go to an island, and I want to terraform it because we get to do that. Like, I, I was excited just, I, I was going to be satisfied just fishing and hunting fossils and, and whatnot. Because those are the, the parts. I I am a collector. Uh, you know, I, I have all 900 Korok seeds in uh, Breath of the Wild. Oh, jeez. Look, it, but it was, it was so much fun. The hunt was so much fun. Like, I, I did use a map eventually, but I got, probably got close to 700 on my own. It's a blast. But, like, once I found out that you have tools that can manipulate the water and the land in this Animal Crossing, like, I could rebuild this entire island exactly how I want it. And just, like, I'm like, do I want to, like, structure it off of an island from some other IP and mirror that in Animal Crossing? I don't know. Do I just want to build, like, a gigantic tower of land at the top of the island as a monument to Froggy Chair? It's possible. It's very likely. I'm going to do some kind of tribute to the Froggy Chair. Somewhere on the island. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know what it's going to be. But it's happening. I love Animal Crossing. I might not be on an episode for a couple months after I get it. Because I'll be too busy playing Animal Crossing. That's not true. I will be on episodes. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm super pumped. God, I, ha- I have not played Animal Crossing in a long time. And it's the exact kind of relaxing activity that I really, really, really need right now.
1: I think we all need some relaxing activities. When, when I like to relax, something I often end up doing is... Uh... Playing with my beard which is not a good thing to do when you've been told expressly not to touch your face but you know what i wash my hands like 30 times a day maybe more uh and that's what i'm gonna do i'll distance myself i will stay healthy but i'm touching my face i'm just gonna do it there's nothing that can stop me
0: is this your final thought
1: this is my final thought my final thought is that i'm touching my face and hopefully this does not end poorly for me
0: all right um Um, i I do want to mention uh before we kind of in the episode uh official statement of an official stance of the podcast is we do not king shame chris's for touching their face
1: oh god um we also have a patreon which you should uh patron
0: why well, wow, you're not <laughs> even gonna get a segue you just want to get away from that statement as fast as possible <laughs> um yeah if you do enjoy listening to our show which after this episode you might not anymore i'm sorry i'm not that sorry um, <laughs> uh, hopefully you still want to keep listening to our show and you still want us to make episodes. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the cast. Everyone who supports us gets access to our discord community where Vorthos is from around the world are staying inside together and doing an indoors activity where they are hopefully not getting sick and talking to each other about animal crossing. We're going to do animal crossing things. And yep. honestly, if like this whole stay inside thing goes longer, maybe we want to run like a D&D thing soon, Chris, since you like to oh. DM for stuff. Maybe we'll do something.
1: I have a lot of ideas. You know what I'm doing right now, actually? What, what I'm doing this very second?
0: Recording a podcast.
1: I am. But if you go and look at under our general tab on our uh, Patreon, right under Pokemon and above gaming is now a channel called Animal Crossing, where we will be just talking about Animal Crossing from now on. Hell Yeah. No, we have a wonderful Discord community. I will definitely, uh, hopefully, uh, I might be getting the word tomorrow that I'll be working from home for the next two weeks at least. And so if that's the case, you better bet there'll be some D&D and other role-playing shenanigans going on uh, on our Discord server. Also, I want to welcome everyone on our Discord server to share your creative stuff because we all have got some time on our hands. I know that we had one of our discord community members who shared a wonderful fan fiction that I uh, started reading and I'm really enjoying. And I think that everyone should share that stuff right now. It's a good time to do it.
0: Love fan work. I don't really look at it because of job, but I love that it exists.
1: Thank you for listening to the Vorthos cast. Is that the right ending? I've never done it before.